G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. This week, we visit a memorial commemorating the Rana Plaza disaster. It was on Tuesday, April the 24th, Labor Safety Day in Bangladesh. But we were at Quality Tops in Reservoir, Melbourne, where a group of clothing workers bowed their heads remembering the over 1,000 Bangladeshi workers crushed to death when the building they were working in collapsed nine years ago. It was a reminder that worker solidarity is international. Workers International Memorial Day followed on April the 28th, where again the vow was to remember the dead and fight like hell for the living, with the week finishing with May Day celebrations around the world. We hear some voices from the Melbourne rally outside Victoria Trades Hall, voicing their views on why it was important to be there and what the future fight looks like in Australia. But first... Some union news. New Horticultural Award announced. After years of hard work campaigning and organising by farm workers and their unions, from the 28th of April 2022, all horticultural workers are guaranteed a minimum wage of $20.33 per hour. Workers can still work on peace rates and earn more than this amount, but it will be illegal for employers to pay less. Despite aggressive opposition from the National Farmers Federation and the Agriculture Minister, the Australian Workers' Union, leading the case, was able to persuade the Fair Work Commission that it was unfair to allow fruit pickers to be bamboozled and underpaid by the peace work system without a safety net. In the Northern Territory, Darwin Correctional Officers, represented by the United Workers' Union, walked off the job on May the 1st to protest the state government's wage cut and under-resourcing of Darwin Correctional Facility. Around 100 correctional officers, united with thousands of other public sector workers and union members who are experiencing the government's four-year wage freeze to march as one United Block on May Day. New South Wales Teachers Strike, May the 4th. New South Wales Teachers Federation State Executive made the unanimous decision to proceed with strike action on Wednesday, May the 4th. The Federation also placed an immediate ban on all new government, department and New South Wales Education Standards Authority policies, initiatives due for implementation on and from day one, term two. In addition, should New South Wales Government MPs seek to enter school grounds, Federation members are authorised to walk out for as long as these MPs remain on site. The New South Wales Federation President said the Premier has failed students, their parents and the teaching profession. The Government is pursuing a new award that seeks to impose a 2.04% salary cap 
with no change to the crippling working conditions experienced by the profession for a three-year period is contemptuous, he said. At a time when inflation is running at 3.5% and predicted to grow, this would constitute a cut to teachers' real income. In Melbourne, Moreland council workers, including local librarians, represented by the Australian Services Union, the ASU, will rally on May the 4th outside Brunswick Town Hall for better working conditions and fair wages that keep up with the rising cost of living. They call on residents to contact their local councillors to support their efforts to ensure that they can continue to serve their local community successfully. Also in Melbourne, a green ban has been called to stop the demolition or redevelopment of the iconic Labour History Hotel, the Curtin Hotel. The ban, supported by the Victorian Trades Hall unions, including the CFMMEU and the National Trust. Today we are announcing a green ban to protect the John Curtin Hotel. What does that mean? Well, we are setting out a very large message to every builder in Victoria that you cannot touch this building. To Victorian building workers, we are saying if you're engaged in this site, you should go somewhere else. We are standing united as a large community group. We have musicians with us, we have local residents with us, we have people who love Melbourne's heritage and seek to protect us, and we have the Victorian trade union movement who are all standing up to protect this building. The Green Bands movement in Victoria has made Melbourne part of what it is today. It kept its character. Flinders Street Station, the Regent Theatre, the Prince's Theatre, Queen Vic Market, the City Bars, everything that partly makes our city special Keeping our heritage together is what the union movement is seeking to protect once again. And so that's why we've today announced a green ban. So the union movement, in partnership with RMIT, had tried to buy the building. We had the largest bid in, but that was not taken up. Um, we are surprised by that. The building in the end was sold for $5.5 to an international developer. We are very worried that the international developer is going to come in and rip this building down, just like what happened to the Corkman, to try to whack up apartments that is inappropriate for this site. So what the Green Band does is we send a message out to the community saying, we're gonna stand by this building. We are gonna protect it, if necessary, but with ourselves. Now you will see people form their own picket line to protect this building. What we're sending a message to builders is there is a Green Band on. You should not try to develop this site. What we're saying to workers is if you are asked to engage in the site, you should actually go work somewhere else. There's plenty of construction work in this great city. Consequences for builders, if they go work on this site, is they might face very significant disruption. And it is hard to make a dollar out of a site like this if there's such large disruption. Now, this hasn't been done in some time, we know that. But we need to protect Victoria's heritage. We say this place is very important. You're listening to Stick Together, worker stories and union news, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. So can you give my listeners some idea of why we're outside Quality Tops in Reservoir on this morning? So what we're going to do is remember the Rana Plaza collapse, that's 90 year anniversary. Okay, and for people who don't remember, this was the most extraordinarily awful event. 
Yeah, so it was a um, eight-storey building that collapsed and a significant amount of workers died, so over 1,134 and, you know, uh, well over 2,500 were injured or maimed. Now, this is in Bangladesh and that's the source of many of the clothes that uh, people in the West actually buy without thinking about uh, where they're coming from. Yeah, so they have a large garment sector and it's mostly an exploited sector and exceptionally low paid. And the background to this particular disaster was that there were uh, signs of stress in the building. People were saying that there's a problem and the employers sent them back in. Yeah, that's right. They knew there was a problem the day before and they sent them back in the next day and then there was the collapse. And, you know, just appalling. It was just greed and profit over the workers' lives. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I have heard that there is some, uh, the families of these people, because it was predominantly female, or women, weren't there? And there were children. Women, children, and there were men involved as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's a predominantly female sector. Yeah. And uh, so the government has very little interest in controlling that particular sector? So the government has really poor um, laws for workers in just on all sectors in that country, but particularly the garment sector. It's a very exploited sector. Why is it important for you to be having this memorial? Um, so I'm from the TCF sector, so I come from the TCFUA. It's important because I think garment workers around the world are exploited, and this is just one of many incidents where workers have died or been seriously injured. And it's just ongoing exploitation and particularly with COVID we've noticed it's really shone a light on the sector again about the exploitation on the international supply chains and how bad the brands are in ensuring that their supply chains are trans- transparent, credible, and safe. And so it's an international fight, that's what you're getting at. It's a solidarity fight. It is a solidarity fight and it is an international fight and it is you know, at the heart of garment workers that you know, we want exploitation to stop. Yeah. in Australia and um, internationally as well. Support from other unions, from other countries, does have an effect, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so globally, from other unions, from communities, from um, individuals, from consumers, it does have an impact because it makes the brands think about what they're doing and it shines a light on the exploitation and um, how unsafe some of these workplaces are. Oh, day, Amanda from Ethical Clothing Australia. How important is it for us to be remembering what happened at uh, Rana Plaza? I think what it exemplifies for me is that you know, in our supposed sort of modern world and society that we have people working in dangerous conditions, uh, but also in conditions that are akin to slavery. Um, and remembering this is vital because we remember that behind every piece of clothing we put on with something we consider pretty basic action every day, there's a person behind that uh, and that in this instance, people paid the ultimate, well, very high price for, for that piece of clothing, and it's a human rights issue. Well, well, it's also the thing about industrial relations and industrial laws. Yeah. It really puts it quite in, in the spotlight, doesn't it? These people were told to go back to an unsafe building, and they didn't feel that they could say no. No, and I think that's, you know, there's this, that, that's the thing. that they, they were in a position where they couldn't say no because this is their livelihood and they're working in dangerous conditions. And then we have this horrific incident occur and people are still paying the price. I mean, there's lives of their loved ones as well who are continuing to you know, suffer the effects of what happened. And I think particularly for the work that I do with Ethical Clothing Australia, working with unions and manufacturers, we need to remember that, you know, we have people working in unsafe conditions here in Australia and that we need to have 
those schemes which are focusing on workers' rights to make sure people are being treated fairly. What do you do? So I'm National Manager for Ethical Clothing Australia and we're a partnership between the union and manufacturers uh, and we basically run a program where the unions go into businesses and they check all compliance and the supply chain of everything that's done in terms of clothing and footwear that's made and ECA then runs an accreditation program and it's a very public program. There's a label so that when that ECA label appears on a piece of clothing People know when they're purchasing that or manufacturers know when they're purchasing it. The person that's made that piece of clothing has been treated fairly, their entitlements have been met and they're working in safe conditions. So people can actually go to your website and find out who those ethical uh, people are? Yes, so people can go to the Ethical Clothing Australia website. We have a shopper's guide on there so consumers can go and look at all the businesses that are ECA accredited businesses. But also for manufacturers who might be wanting to purchase garments themselves, they can go and see who those manufacturers are as well. So we don't just do labels, it's also workwear, it's PPE, it's a whole range of things and that's there on our website for people to see. And we've come to Quality Tops in Reservoir because they are an ethical supplier. Absolutely. So um, Quality Tops are one of our um, ECA accredited labels, which is fantastic. We have a whole range of businesses uh, who are. Um, I think the important thing to remember with that too is that uh, it's a legal entitlement. It's under the Fair Work Act, so businesses should be doing this regardless. But with our process, it means that they step through the whole supply chain so that they can be sure too, as a business, that workers are being treated fairly. Mm. Nobody's got blood on their hands. Well, I think the thing is to, you know, but like I said, this people work in unsafe conditions here in Australia, and we know particularly in the garment industry that it's it's um, been very bad in terms of that and that we have out workers working in sometimes in slave like conditions so it's really vital that we've got these sorts of schemes and that businesses are checking in again just remembering it's the legal entitlement that they should be meeting regardless again you know it's just um I said people are still the effects of it you know people with terrible injuries and conditions and that's still happening but you know in Australia it's a thing you know we we did a thing for Melbourne Fashion Week Beth spoke at that but you know, that's things you say that people think, oh, it wouldn't happen in Australia, but people work in sweatshops here and people are working at home and being you know, made to work terrible hours and, again, they, they don't feel they can say anything because, you know, they think they'll lose their job. So It's easy to assume that products made in Australia are made ethically. However, this is unfortunately not always the case. When it comes to the workers in the textile, clothing and footwear industry in Australia, many are vulnerable because manufacturing supply chains are complex and the workers are often hidden. Locally, many workers in the industry come from migrant backgrounds. The majority are women and many are outworkers, otherwise known as home workers, meaning that they work from home, often in isolation facing unrealistic deadlines, long hours, and occupational health and safety issues. Often these workers don't know about... You're from Equality Tops. Why is it important for Equality Tops to be part of the ethical clothing system? For me, it's really... 
transparency in supply chain, making sure that our workers on a daily basis are paid um, a fair and reasonable wage for the work that they do, but also that they come to work, uh, they do their job safely and they return home to their families every day. Um, I think there's so many opportunities in this industry to improve um, and as we know um, too many times over, workers are exploited at the, at the, for the sake of you know the bottom dollar. Yeah. and profit and that's not right for me every garment that leaves here I'm proud to say that we put our workers first in manufacturing those garments and so Qualitas from day one since we started a business uh, have always manufactured in that way so for us it wasn't a matter of changing anything but it was a matter of actually highlighting the fact that uh, you know there should be more businesses out there that are putting workers first. It's good that there's a system isn't there I mean this whole idea of people being crushed to death on such a large scale in Bangladesh is just so shocking. It's it's terrible. I mean, it's it's appalling that these people still haven't been brought to justice. It's it's heartbreaking to think that so many lives were lost and so many families and, and people's lives have been affected from that day forward. And to think that you know, um, it's almost unfathomable to think of from Australia because we're lucky enough that the, we know conditions and those sort of things here are of a much higher standard, but. Yeah, it's it's just I'm honestly almost lost for words to think how something like that could happen. How someone could put human profit ahead of human human life and safety. So it's good to be part of a system that tries to change this outcome. It's absolutely, and you know, it's one of the things that that for me gets me up in the morning and makes me proud to come to work. Uh, the fact that we can make a difference, the fact that we are, you know, providing a safe and happy workplace for our employees and is number one for me. We leave the Rana Plaza Memorial and go outside the Victoria Trades Hall in Carlton to the International Workers Memorial Day event. It is sobering to realise there has been a 38% increase in worker deaths since the Morrison government has been in office. Will Strack, Assistant Secretary at VTHC. Every worker deserves to return home safe and healthy every single day. Every workplace death is preventable. And safety is and always has been and always will be core union business. This year's International Workers Memorial Day theme is make safe and healthy at work a fundamental right. So today we don't just remember the lives of Victorian workers, but every worker who's been killed at work. And we understand that the fight for safe and healthy workplaces doesn't stop here at our shores. And we don't have to look far to see why. The 24th of April was the anniversary of the Rana Plaza building collapse in Bangladesh. On that day in 2013, garment workers walked out of the building because the walls were cracking and they were forced back in by owners, threatening their pay and their jobs. And then the building collapsed, killing over a thousand workers and injuring over 2,500 more. These were low paid workers, mainly women and girls. And closer to home, we look at our experience of the COVID-19 pandemic. It was workers on the front line that bore the brunt, in our hospitals and aged care, food manufacturing and supply chain, in our supermarkets and so many other places. They made sure that our lives could continue safely 
even at great personal risk. Hundreds of Victorian workers became ill, and some of them even died. We owe it to all of those workers, here and overseas, to continue the fight, because health and safety is a fundamental right. This year marks the first International Workers' Memorial Day where an expanded definition of workplace fatality has been used. Whether it's a death of a worker on the road, suicides attributable to a workplace health and safety failure, or deaths from industrial diseases, at Trades Hall we say you count what you care about and we care about safety. And that's why we care about how many workers become ill or die from occupational illnesses no matter how many years after exposure. Amanda will now read out the list of workers killed in the last year in Victoria, and union members will place a pair of boots for each one. On the 29th of April, 2021, a 25-year-old man was killed while skateboarding during his lunch break after he fell off his board and struck his head. On the 2nd of May, 2021, an 84-year-old man died from mesothelioma following exposure to asbestos. On the 10th of May, 2021, a 68-year-old man died from mesothelioma following exposure to asbestos. On the 17th of May, 2021, a 52-year-old man died from complications of disease after being exposed to silica during his employment at a foundry. On the 17th of May, 2021, a 40-year-old construction worker died at a construction site in St Albans. It is believed that the man was working alone, operating a concrete pump and boom, when the overhead boom collapsed and struck him. On the 20th of May 2021, a farm worker died after suffering serious head injuries while working alone in a shed on a property in Gippsland. The 74-year-old man struck his head on machinery after being knocked when six large hay bales fell from a stack behind him. On the 21st of May, 2021, an eight-year-old boy drowned during a swimming lesson at an indoor pool in Port Ferry. On the 23rd of May, 2021, a 43-year-old man died from complications of disease after being exposed to chemicals and other carcinogens during his employment as a firefighter. On the 26th of May, a 47-year-old worker was killed at a factory in Dandenong South after being struck in the head by an attachment on a rubber extrusion machine. On the 12th we end the program on a happier note at May Day celebrations. Let's hear from some of the people who rallied outside the same place, the Victorian Trades Hall, three days after the International Memorial Day event. Standing right next to me is the State Secretary of the AMWU. Tony, tell me, why is May Day so important to you? Uh, May Day seems to remind us of all the struggles um, and all the conditions that have been won by the union movement where workers work collectively, um, have created what we have today and we should never forget that. Um, how we won the eight-hour day, how we got overtime, how we got RDOs, how we got annual leave, how we got sick leave, how we got long service leave. And I can go on and go on and go on about super and I can go on about Medicare and I can go about a lot of things that came out of the trade union movement. And we need to remind people of that. Um, the young people need to be reminded of that because they think one day we all woke up and it was all in our hands. So um, there's been a long struggle um, of the trade union movement in this country and that's why we come to May Day. 
We also come to May Day about you know International Workers Unite. From the AMWU's point of view, uh, what are the most important issues facing Australian workers right now? Well, the AMWU believes that this can all be solved um, by reinvesting and reforming manufacturing. Um, if you look at the history of manufacturing in this country and what it was once upon a time compared to what it is now, um, big change, big difference. We reckon um, the way to fix, you know, when we talk about the economy, when we talk about apprenticeships, when we talk about migration, um, you know, once we start building things and having good reform in manufacturing, creating secure jobs, good wages, good conditions, it'll help in, in, in the economy and all those things that I mentioned. That's what we're really hard campaigning for. So I think the biggest issues are around wages and the issues are around perceived um, incapacity to be able to fight back and people should be more joining their unions. And the unions that are organising with their casual workers are winning. So if you're listening to this and you're a casual worker, join your union. It's the only way we're going to deal with this crisis. And the workers in your industry, the Australian Services Union, so we're talking about community sector workers who we know are grossly underpaid but also bearing quite a significant brunt of the COVID um, fallout, I guess you could say. Uh, what's happening, uh, what are the big demands in your union uh, amongst your workers? There are some key issues around all of the workers working in the social and community se sector because absolutely their work has increased dramatically during COVID. Things have gotten worse for people who are already in crisis and vulnerable. And yet the workers themselves who are supporting the, those members of the community who are most vulnerable are being treated like they have no value. Um, the campaign Essential Not Expendable is all about saying, hey, we're essential workers that you absolutely relied on during COVID and continue on to in the future, but you feel like you can furlough us at any time when profits are down. So the workers in um, the community sector are actually standing up for their own insecure employment, but also the perception that their work is not valuable when we've all had it blatantly exposed during two years of the pandemic and, and beyond that their work is increasing, not decreasing. And so their employment status and their continued, continued expectation of funding from state and federal governments in their sectors is critical. And of course, you were the former coordinator of a feeder, which means internationalism is a really critical part of your politics and today is May Day, International Workers' Day. What do you say to the workers of the world? Well, I get excited on May Day because I see little things flashing up all over the world, even though we're pretty early. Um, Timor-Leste today are celebrating May Day as they have done every year since independence and the numbers are just getting stronger and stronger. I saw yesterday that the KSTL, the peak union body in Timor, are pushing their government hard for an increase in the minimum wage and nine other demands around social security and um, recognition of workers who likewise went through hell last year and the year before during the pandemic. Um, so they're pushing for a minimum wage of, of $200 a month, which is up from 125 where it is now, which is a massive increase, but the cost of living has gone up everywhere, including in places like Timor-Leste, so workers need to be remunerated and the government needs to respect that. Sam, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's a pleasure, Treasure. Happy May Day. That's it for Stick Together this week. You can catch up with the show at 3cr.org.au or where you get your favourite podcasts. Contact us at sticktogether at 3cr.org.au. I'm Annie McLaughlin. Join the Stick Together team next week for more workers' news. And remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. Stay safe and stick together. As we go marching, marching,
Marching on 